Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 1. And today we begin a series of messages. I would imagine it's going to last all year long, all right? Isaiah is a big book. We will not be able to cover every word of it, but we'll cover a significant portion of it. And I pray that you will be blessed over the next uh, year as we walk through the book of Isaiah. Somebody has called it the gospel of Isaiah because it has so much to say about Jesus. Isaiah was an Old Testament priest who became a prophet in Jerusalem, the capital of Judah. He served the Lord somewhere between 30 and 40 years, and uh, he did that from about 758 B.C. to 698 B.C. He served under four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and a righteous man named Hezekiah. And tradition says that Hezekiah's wicked son, King Manasseh, had Isaiah sawn in two. And if you don't know what that is, I'm not going to talk about it from the pulpit. Just go look it up. It's one of the most gruesome deaths you could ever imagine. And during his years of prophesying, all the nations surrounding Judah, including Israel, were being defeated by the armies of Assyria and later on by Babylon. His calling is in chapter 6. We will cover that in the weeks to come. But it was an epic event in his life. And it was following that that he had these visions of Jesus Christ. He spoke of the virgin birth of Christ in the next chapter, chapter 7, verse 14. He spoke of the sovereign reign and the government resting upon Jesus' shoulders in Isaiah 9. He spoke about a time where there would be complete peace on earth. We refer to it as the millennial reign. That's in chapter 11. And then he talked about the vicarious atoning death of Jesus in chapter 53. And he talked about the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus in chapter 53. So we're going to work our way through the book. Again, there's no way it's too long for us to preach every verse. But I pray that you'll be blessed by this beautiful, beautiful word from God. Today, we begin with probably one of the most famous scriptures in this whole book, and it talks about God setting people free from their sin, and I've entitled it, Sinner, Be Reasonable. Look there in Isaiah 1, verse 16. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from my sight, cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together. Let's be reasonable, Isaiah says, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. If you consent and obey... You will eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. Truly, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let's pray and dedicate this series to the Lord, all right? Father, I pray that you would bless this sermon and all the sermons that we will have from the book of Isaiah this year, should Jesus tarry. And Lord, we pray that you would speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. We want to hear your word through your prophet and we pray that you would do that for your glory. In Jesus' name, and if that's your prayer, say amen. amen. 
Isaiah told the people of God, the people of Judah, that they needed to be reasonable, and he shared with them at least four ways that they could be reasonable listening to God. First of all, he said, sinner, it's reasonable now. Be reasonable. Walk in repentance. Walk in repentance. Look at verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Here Isaiah is displaying his evangelistic zeal. He gives an invitation that could easily have been given at any Billy Graham crusade. He wants people to have their sins washed away. He said, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. It's a lot like what the psalmist said in Psalm 51, verse 7. Purify me, Lord, from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. These people needed more than making a commitment. They needed more than walking an aisle. They needed more than signing a membership card. They needed to repent and believe in Jesus. They needed to have God's mercy and his forgiveness poured out upon them. He says, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. It's a personal thing. You have to repent. You have to believe. Nobody can repent for you. Your parents can't. Your spouse can't. You have to repent. I can't repent for you. You can't repent for me. You can't believe for me. I can't believe for you. It's a personal thing that we must do. They have to do it. That's what Isaiah was saying. You've got to do it. And then to prove your repentance, remove the evil of your deeds from your sight. Cease to do evil. Don't just admit your sin. Don't just commit yourself to the Lord. Don't just admit your sin. Quit your sin. Ask the Lord to help you to stop. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Let God cleanse you from sin and then stop committing the same old sins. That is repentance. Turn to God in repentance. Turn away from sin. True repentance is mandatory for salvation. I want to say that again. You can't get saved if you don't repent. You can't have salvation unless you repent. Repentance comes before salvation. You need to repent and God will save you. Turn to God in repentance and he will save you. And Jesus said, if you don't repent, you perish. And he's talking about going to hell. Did you know that no one in the Bible talked more about the reality of hell than Jesus Christ himself? Listen to what he says in Luke 13. Now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, do you suppose <coughs> that these Galileans were greater sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. 
But unless you repent, you will all likewise what? Say it out loud. Perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the, the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise what? Say it out loud. You know what he's talking about? If you don't repent and you die in that state, you go to hell. That's what he said. If you don't repent, you perish. You can't be a Christian and you don't repent. And after you repent to be saved, you need to walk in an attitude of repentance, not to keep your salvation, but to stay close and clean with God. There's an old hymn that mentions our need for repentance. I've wasted many precious years. Now I'm coming home. I now repent with bitter tears. Lord, I'm coming home. The most reasonable thing you can do today is to repent, to turn from your sin. If you're lost, repent. If you're saved, keep on living in repentance. Live a holy life for Christ. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Be reasonable, sinner. Walk in repentance. And then secondly, Isaiah has another thing to say. Not only sinner, be reasonable, walk in repentance, but sinner, be reasonable, walk in righteousness. Look at verse 17. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Because we are innately selfish and sinful, we have to learn to do good. It's not in our DNA to do good. It is in our DNA to sin. There was a popular self-help book published by Dr. Thomas A. Harris way back in 1967 before most of you were born, and it was entitled, I'm Okay, You're Okay. Bestseller, New York Times bestseller for many years, written by a psychologist. It's only the one thing wrong with it. It's based on a false premise. With all due respect, I'm not okay and neither are you. Jesus says that we are sinners who need a Savior. And you're not okay without Christ. Anybody who has ever raised a toddler knows that we are innately selfish. If you want to see a child touch a hot stove, tell that child, don't touch the hot stove. And guess what? We parents and grandparents are the same way. God says, don't do that. And all of a sudden, we have a desire to do it. Why? Because innately, deep down in our hearts, we want to do what we want to do. We don't want God telling us what to do. That's why he said, learn to do good. And then he gives four practical ways that you can learn to do good. First of all, he said, seek justice. Seek justice. See to it 
Prioritize it. Seek it. Make sure that no matter who a person is, they are treated the same. Don't treat anybody differently. Treat them all with respect. Seek justice. Amos 5, 24. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Keep that one on the screen. You might remember somebody quoting that when I was in Alabama. I went on a field trip with Allison, our middle daughter, went to Montgomery, and there was a sign out in front of the Martin Luther King Memorial area, and it had this on here, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And the teacher was telling all these boys, that quote is from Dr. Martin Luther King. Well, it is, but I raised my hand. And I said, he is a preacher who loved the Lord, and he was quoting a prophet from the Old Testament named Amos. And if you want to know where it is, it's in 524. And that guy got mad, but there's nothing he could say about it. Because it is God who wants justice to roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I love what Micah said in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He's told you, old man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Look at me. You're not better than anybody. Whether you're white, black, brown, red, or whatever, you're not better than anybody. Everybody deserves justice. Seek justice. And then reprove the ruthless. Admonish anyone who oppresses a defenseless person. People that get ripped off. The brother of James said the same thing in James 5, verse 6. He said, you've condemned and put to death the righteous man. He does not resist you. Don't do that, God says. Reprove the ruthless. Those who are mean to people who can't defend themselves. And then another way to show that you have repented, and that is to defend the orphan. Don't allow anyone to abuse a vulnerable child. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 6, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me, and by the way, that shows you that children can come to Christ, these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. That's pretty drastic, is it not? But God says, I want you I want you to defend the orphans. And then plead for the widows. That is, women who are victimized in a vile and vicious world. James 1.27 again says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God our Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Learn to do good. Learn it. Get in the Word and learn how to do good. And if you want to know how, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Who's the holiest person ever to live? Jesus. Who's next? Job. Who suffered more than anyone ever? Jesus. Who's the next? Job. And Job interestingly, talked about living a godly, holy life. And when he did, he talked about the same type of ministry to vulnerable people that Isaiah mentioned in our text. Let me read to you from Job 31, just a little short clip of Scripture here. 
Job says, have I refused to help the poor? He's, he's asking that, knowing the answer. He says, sure I have. Or crushed the hopes of widows? Have I been stingy with my food and refused to share it with orphans? No, from childhood I've cared for the orphans like a father. All my life I've cared for widows. Whenever I, was, I saw the homeless without clothes and the needy with nothing to wear, did they not praise me for providing wool clothing to them to keep them warm? If I raised my hand against an orphan, knowing the judges would take my side, then let my shoulder be wrenched out of place. Let my arm be torn from its socket. That would be better than facing God's judgment. For if the majesty of God opposes me, what hope is there? Job, the holiest man ever to live, other than Jesus Christ himself, defined walking in righteousness in terms of ministering, you ready now? To societies, vulnerables, the poor, the widows, the orphans, the homeless, and the needy. Job joins Isaiah and says, be reasonable, walk in righteousness. And God is saying the same thing to us today. You say, what about Jesus? Oh, Jesus ministered to these same people. He wants us to walk in righteousness and minister to the least of these. Matthew 25, but when the Son of Man comes in the glory of the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate them from one another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right, that's on the, the powerful side, the righteous side of his, his, his hand, and the goats on the left, that's the side of punishment. The right side is the, the side of reward. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and feed you, and thirsty, and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger, and invite you in, and naked, and clothe you? When did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? The king, that's Jesus, will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you do these kind of things? Do you? Do you do these kind of things? When's the last time you fed somebody that was truly hungry? When's the last time you gave water or liquids to someone who was genuinely thirsty? When's the last time you had a stranger in your home? When's the last time you had a foreigner in your home? When's the last time you put clothes on the body of someone who was naked or lacking? When's the last time you went to a jail and visited a prisoner? You don't go to heaven because you do those things, but you look at me. People that go to heaven do these kind of things. 
And if you never do this, any of this, you have every right to wonder, am I really a Christian? Because Christians follow Christ. Say that with me. Christians follow Christ. These are the people Jesus ministered to. He said, well, I give a check to missions. Isn't that enough? I don't think so. I think we need to get our hands dirty and get involved, don't you? God has put us in a ministry. God has put us in a city that needs, has so many needs. We can be in a mission field and not drive more than 10 minutes from where we're sitting right now. Oh, help us, dear God, to walk in righteousness and, Lord, to take care of the least of these. Sinner, be reasonable. Sinner, thirdly, be reasonable. Walk in restoration. Don't just get saved, but be restored to what God wants you to do. Look at verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. If you consent and obey, you'll eat the best of the land. This is one of the most famous verses in the entire book of Isaiah. It also is one of the best evangelistic invitations in the Bible. There are evangelistic invitations all over the Bible. This is one of the best. It begins with one of God's favorite words, come, come. Interestingly, throughout the Bible, every person of the Trinity shouts, come. God the Father does. One verse, I can give you many, but here's one. Isaiah 55, verse 1, here's God the Father asking people, lost people to come to him. He said, oh, everyone who thirsts, come. Come to the waters. You have no money. Come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. God the Father is asking you to come to him today. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is also. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can you hear Jesus calling you to him today? He's calling you. Will you listen? Will you come? The Holy Spirit is calling you as well. Revelation 22, verse 17, almost the last verse of the Bible. The Holy Spirit says, the Spirit, uh, Revelation 22, verse 17, the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Come, come, come. Notice in our text, it's an urgent invitation. Come now. And it's a reasonable invitation. Let us reason together. I want you and you need me. That's reasonable, God says. I want you and you need me. I'm the one you need. Don't argue. Be reasonable. I can restore you to fellowship with me. If you'll come, I'll restore you. Though your sins are as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they will be like wool. Just a moment ago, one of my granddaughters said, it's snowing outside. When we get home, can we build a snowman? If it snows that much between now and then, yes. But he said, your sins will be made as white as snow. And if you consent and obey, verse 19, you will eat the best of the land. That is, I'll not only cleanse you spiritually, but I'll take care of your needs. God wants to restore you today. In the Old Testament, there's a man named Joshua. It's the same word as Yahshua. It's the same word as Hosea. And he is not the Joshua that followed Moses, taking the people in the promised land. 
He's a Joshua who was a high priest after the exile, and they came back to Jerusalem. And he had sinned in some way. Evidently, it was some big sin. I don't know what it was. The Bible doesn't tell us. And the Bible says he was standing before God, and the devil was accusing him. How many of you have ever sinned, and you're just so ashamed of your sin, and you just feel the accuser of the brethren accusing you? Anybody know what I'm talking about out there? There are a whole lot more hands should have gone up on that one, I'll tell you that. Zechariah 3, I read this this week. Then the angel showed me Yeshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, the accuser. Satan was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against Yeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject or rebuke your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. That's one of the best definitions of somebody that's cleansed by the Lord Jesus. We are just a burning stick that's been snatched from the fire. We almost went to hell, but right before we did, Jesus pulled us out of the fire. How many of you are glad that you're a burning stick snatched out of the fire? Amen? Amen. I had a guy ask me one time, and he said, how, I was preaching somewhere. He said, how do you want me to introduce you? I said, what are you talking about? He said, what do you want me to say about you? I said, just tell him I'm a burning stick that's been snatched from the fire. He didn't know what to say. That's all we are. There's, nothing, there's no big deal about anybody in this room. But there is a big deal about Jesus. He is the one that snatched you out of the fire. Yeshua's clothing was filthy. As he stood there before the angel. Have you ever felt like that before God? Have you ever just felt filthy? Isaiah did in Isaiah chapter 6. And here he does in Zechariah 3. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Yeshua, he said, see, I've taken away all your sins. And now I'm giving you these fine new clothes. Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Yeshua and said, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. If you will follow my ways, if you'll carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will, I will let you walk among these others standing here. God rescued that sinful preacher and restored him, and God will do the same thing to you today. Nowadays, the world is filled with religious legalists and they don't want anybody to repent and they don't want anybody to rest be restored. They just want to accuse people and beat them up if they mess up. How many of you are glad that if you repent today, God will restore you? Anybody like that today? Let's thank him for that right now. Amen. Praise God. Aren't you glad God is saying, come? Come now. Come now and let us reason together. Sinner, I will wash your sins. I will make you white as snow. I will let you eat of the best of the land. Be reasonable. Come, 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 come right now. Come. Hey, don't wait for me to give an invitation at the end. Of the if you want to get saved, come right now. You say, I'll interrupt the service. There's no interruption for you to come to Jesus. Come right now. Come right on. Come on, if you want to come to Jesus, that's fine. We, you don't have to wait. Wait for what? <laughs> Man, do it now. Get saved. Give your heart to Jesus. Sinners, that's all of us. Isaiah is saying something to us today. Be reasonable. Walk in repentance. Walk in righteousness. Walk in restoration. And one more thing. 
Be reasonable, sinner. Walk away from rebellion. There's some things you walk to. There's some things you walk away if you want the righteousness of God. Look at verse 20. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. But contrasting conjunction. What does that mean? It means that he's saying, now look, <laughs> I just told you the good news, but here's, here's the bad news. But let me tell you the other side of this. Everybody wants to hear about heaven. Nobody wants to hear about hell. Again, Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else in the Bible because he doesn't want you to go there. But when you obey God, when you obey God, you're forgiven and delivered of sin. But when you disobey God, you refuse and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. He was saying this literally. He said, look, there's some armies coming down from the north, and they will literally slaughter you by the sword unless we repent. We're going down. I think that is easily what God's saying to America nowadays. Unless we repent, we're going down. No politician can save America. We need to repent. Contrast was clear. Repent and receive God's righteousness. Rebel and be devoured by the sword. And then he puts an exclamation point on it at the very end. Look at that. Truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You know what Isaiah is saying? He said, I didn't, this is not my words. This is the word of the Lord. Walk away from rebellion. In the Old Testament, just before they entered into the promised land, just before they went into Canaan, God says, now look, guys, sit down. I want, I want to talk to you. He spoke through Moses. He said, now listen, you're about to go into the most pagan country you've ever been in your life. There are idols everywhere. There is grotesque sin. You can't even believe how wicked these people are. And if you go in, you'd better be real careful not to engage in their sins. And right before they went in, God says, I'm going to ask you to choose today. Now listen to what he says. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 30. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. And that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you, today you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land which, where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life. I've set before you death and life. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. You know what God's saying to everyone in this room today? Choose life. He's set before you. He's set before you. A choice. 
I said before you today, life and death, prosperity, adversity. Choose life. The devil was the original rebel. He was an angel, an archangel. He worshiped the Lord until he wanted people to worship him. He fell from his spot along with about a third of the angels. That's where demons come from. I know people don't believe in demons today. But you know what? They like that. They like that you don't believe in them. Because they can do their work and you don't even think they're real. And you think that just because you got saved, they can never harass you. I got news for you. Demons harassed Jesus. Who do you think you are? If you're never being harassed by a demon, it may be because you're going the same way that they are. <laughs> and that's not the right way. And when you rebel, you're more like the devil than any other time. When you rebel against God, do what you want to do. Like the song, I'll do it my way. That's rebellion. You don't need to do it your way. You need to do it God's way. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 23, rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft, divination. So will you do the will of God today or will you rebel? What's the will of God? It's God's will for you to be saved. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. If you've never been saved today, it's the will of God for you to be saved. And before you leave this building, you need to repent of your sins, believe in Jesus, receive him into your life, and ask God to save you. If you've never done that, do it today. It's God's will for you to be saved. And then after you get saved, guess what? It's the will of God for you to be baptized after you get saved. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8, verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching, the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were all being baptized, men and women alike. There was never a baby baptized in the Bible. There was never anybody sprinkled in the Bible. Everybody was immersed, and they were only believers that did it. So if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, you are a candidate for believer's baptism. And then after you get saved and get baptized, get plugged into a church, God wants you to grow and become more like Christ. And that's what the Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever to the day of eternity. Amen. The question is not, do you know the will of God? The will of God is all in the Bible. That's not the question. The, the question is, will you do the will of God? Will you do what God says? Sinner, be reasonable. Walk away from rebellion. Can you hear the Lord this morning? Can you hear him? Do you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? He's saying, come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they'll be like wool. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song that said, Would you be free from your burden of sin? There is power in the blood. There is power in the blood. Would you or evil of victory win? There's wonderful power 
in the blood. Sinner, be reasonable today.